You are now listening to the Big Data Beard. This is our podcast where we explore the trends, technology, and talented people making big data a big deal. Well, there are a lot of conferences around the world that talk about big data, and a lot of them are fun. A lot of them have really smart people that share really interesting trends and topics and technologies that are changing the way that businesses, universities, governments, and frankly, human progress is affected by technology-driving innovation in big data, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. But frankly, I am really excited about the most magical of all data and analytics conferences, the Disney Data and Analytics Conference. And because of that excitement, I have invited a couple of folks from Disney to share with us a little bit more about what Disney's doing in this exciting area of technology and to share with us about why the Disney Data and Analytics Conference is so magical. Now, as a reminder, the Big Data Beard is a partner for the Disney Analytics Disney Data and Analytics Conference. And because of our partnership, our listeners can get $400 off a pass to this awesome conference. And as a reminder, we're also giving away one free pass to one of you lucky listeners if you participate in our contest. Make sure and check out the show notes for the details. But to talk more about Disney and the Data Analytics Conference, I'd like to introduce you to Becky Kirby, Managing Producer of the Disney Data and Analytics Conference. Becky, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much, Corey. Becky, tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Absolutely. So as you very correctly said, I am the managing producer of the conference. So that means that the conference is very much my baby. I oversee everything logistical. So from our sponsorship to our partnerships, um, such as with lovely folks like yourself, uh, all of the creative food and beverage, the runnings of the conference. Um, and then I partner with the rest of the team for driving the content um, and making sure that this thing goes. It is a beast in its size. There are about 1,500 people that come to it, um, and we we are thrilled to be able to host this event at Walt Disney World here in Orlando. Very cool. Well, it's so very Disney that this is your baby. That it's <laughs> magical, but also a beast. That's so much fun. And it I'm is. also I'm also excited to have Teddy Benson. Teddy Benson's the data our director of data integration for Disney, and he's uh, he's here to share with us a little bit more about what Disney's doing in real life to make uh, make all this uh, technology uh, so tangible for those that experience Disney. Teddy, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, Teddy, I, uh, I, we've read your bio. You've got kind of a really interesting history in terms of your pedigree and, yes. and data companies. But tell me a little bit about what you're doing for Disney and, and why you're so excited to be part of this. What, a, what is a magical organization? It definitely is a magical organization. So my, my group or my team that I'm in charge of is uh, divided into two sections. First section is in regards to data integration, finding the data, getting the data together, aggregating it, determining what is good, what's not good, validating it and getting it prepped and ready for use by our uh, science team. The other side of my uh, group also does the platforming or designing, how to get that data into a situation or using the models that have been designed by our science group uh, into the solution set for our clients within Disney. Very cool. So this is a is this a team that just exists like in one part of the business? Is it kind of a cross Disney organization? I think there's an, uh, what's the group called? So our, this- our group's name is uh, Disney's decision science and integration team. Uh, we okay. are uh, part of the parks segment of Disney, 
but we have the luxury of being able to work within all the segments of Disney. So we, we've done some work with the media groups, theatrical, parks and resorts, obviously, because that's our, our home turf. But any group or division within Disney that has a need for some analytics or data munging, as it were, uh, we are mm -hmm. happy to come in and help out. Uh, our goal is to try to be that center of excellence for the analytics and science of that analytics. So this is really almost like an internal uh, service that this organization offers to all the different business units within Disney funded by one, but really can offer to any business unit this service for any type of analytic support, data integration. Uh, that is correct. So uh, we like to classify ourselves as like an internal consulting team. So if uh, one of our segments has an issue or a concern or has a project that they need uh, heavy, heavy integration being done or heavy science that needs to be done, they call us, we, we come in, we take a look at what they've got. And if we can help out, we do. Or if it looks like something they can manage, they just need a consultant, we come in and we advise them on what the next step is or what the best solution should be and let them move on. We're here totally to provide that service to the different segments to ensure their success. Okay, so that's a that's a pretty big ch scope and charter, though, to provide, you know, on obviously the parks and use data integration and platforming. Those two things are really big tasks, I would <laughs> have to imagine, at the scale of a parks. So how big is this team and what is the kind of what's the makeup of a team that has to take on such a large scope of work? Uh, so overall, we're about a team of about 150 plus people where we have about wow. between 45 and 55-ish people that are totally dedicated to the science side of things. Uh, okay. Then we broke up, the rest of the team is broken up into a data integration group, uh, business analytics, uh, who help manage the tools and solutions as well as uh, understand our clients or our other segments' needs and provide uh, solution sets based on what we know about their uh, business. Okay. So if if the team sits in the parks organization, I want to dig into use cases because I Having, I have two small children and we've been to Disney, uh, in the last, uh, 12 months and we're going to go again twice in the next, Excellent. in the next four months, which we're very excited about one of those being the conference, obviously. Um, but, I'm, but I'm curious about use cases though, cause I, I can just, when I walk through that park, I have this, just this wonderful experience and I have to assume that's not by accident. So what are some of the use cases that your team is applying this advanced science? Cause if you got, if you got 45, 50 people that are, you know, PhD and master's level scientists, what are some of the top use cases that your team is really approaching uh, to make that park ex that park experience so excellent? So from the parks perspective, uh, one of our biggest categories or things we're working on is the personalization. How can we okay. ensure our guests have the most magical moments when they come to the parks? We want to ensure that from the day you're here to the day you leave, every moment is special, unique, and magical. And to do that, we try to personalize it. And so one of the uh, things that we're working on is how do I personalize your day or your set of days to maximize your magic within the parks. So let's say you come in and you've got a three-day uh, stay. You're coming in and you're staying at one of our uh, resorts here at uh, Orlando. And you've decided, hey, for those three days, we're going to do Magic Kingdom and we're going to do Animal Kingdom. And then we're going to go to Hollywood Studios because they just opened up Story, uh, Toy Story Land. And so you want to go see that. So what we're looking to do is, based on what we know about you that you've allowed us to know, we figure out what is the optimal or best itinerary for your scheduled event. So you may come on a Monday and we may say, 
hey, on Monday, you should go to Animal Kingdom because it's going to be a nice, cool day. We've checked the weather. We've we've determined based on the age group of your children that uh, all of the rides that they would be most likely interested in are going to have a low line count. So you're going to be able to enjoy the park better if you go there. And oh, by the way, we'll set up your fast passes. And hey, we'll even set up uh, a lunch for you so that you don't have to worry about figuring out where you're going to eat. We'll go ahead and plan that for you. And we'll do that for the other two days. And this way, we've taken the stress of trying to figure out where to go and what to do next, and we've maximized your time so you can enjoy all that the parks have to offer you. Yeah, perfect. That's So it makes me think about the when you're – when you're trying to optimize that experience and optimize lines and, and kind of the personalization, the thing that comes to the front of my mind is those, uh, those, those bands, the, um, uh, the yeah. magic bands Isn't that what they're called. The ones that we got, yeah. cause my kids got them multiple colors. It was like, they were so, they were so excited to get them weeks before we showed up, but they're being used to, to give us that experience. Aren't A- absolutely. They? They're, they're used for a multitude of things. Uh, primarily they were used to, um, help organize and figure out, uh, the timings for fast passes and delays that, that may occur when you go to a ride. So, uh, if you've been to the parks recently, you've probably have seen some of our signage that shows, Hey, if you're heading over to, let's say you're in magic kingdom, you're heading over to space mountain and you happen to have our app uh, on your phone and you go and you look at the times or fast passes, we can give you a good estimate of what time it is for you to be able to go to the ride. Hey, it's less than 10 minutes to get there. Fast pass is under two minutes of getting into the ride. And so the advantage is that we can help you as the guest pick what are the right right rides to go do or which ones that are closest to you that have an ease to get into. You're not standing in line for hours on end. And so the idea with those magic bands is that we're able to calculate and forecast a good estimate, a fairly accurate estimate of what your wait time might be for that ride of your choosing. Excellent. So I'm guessing that's that's probably is it uh, is it RFID or is it like Beacon technology? What's so the a, the underlying tech? It's that primarily RFID. Uh, we have a mm-hmm. set of what, what they call long range scanners and short range scanners that do uh, intermediate scanning just to get an idea where people are within the parks, and that helps us regulate. Um, congestion helps us figure out what's the optimal queuing system that we need to apply for our various rides and and events, including food and beverages and quick quick service. Yep. So event-driven data seems to be an area of, of a lot of work being done in the data science and in the kind of the platform communities around how do we build these large-scale event, event data pipelines, but then make sense of them in real time. So I'm curious if you can share any kind of kind of technology guidance that you have on not only the the actual you know the endpoint device and RFID but actually more on the data side and on the decision making side how does an organization take advantage of those massive numbers of you know endpoints that are creating telem- you know tele- telemetry data and event driven data and make sense of it quickly. Is there is there some like standard platforms or is it a, a broad set of technologies that you're using to achieve that objective? So I will tell you that it's it's pretty broad in some of the technologies we're using. First off, when you start off, you don't know what you don't know. And so you're kind of picking and, and, and hitting and, and trying to find what seems to work. Um, and, and you, and you got to use what you do know. So for example, we have a good, good uh, handle on the weather. We have a good idea, you know, having been in Florida for many, many, many years, having a good track record, uh, we can get a good 
projection on what type of the weather is going to be like. We also have a good understanding of how many tickets have been sold for the day. We also have a good understanding of uh, forecasting of what our annual pass holders might be, the number of people that are in our resorts, which ones are looking to go to the Magic Kingdom or to Epcot, as the case may be. And so we, we start with a kind of a, a trial and error. We start with the data that we know, and we build on that. And then we'll go to an next revision and start add. you know what? Let's add a school calendar, and let's see how we can use the school calendar to predict uh, the ebb and flow of crowds. Hey, you know what? Let's start picking um, uh, from our guests that let us know that they are very big fans of the Peter Pan ride. How many are going to be in the park? We know they're probably going to go ride the Peter Pan ride. W you know, Where are they within relation to that ride? Have they ridden it yet? And so we start to pick and choose the data that makes sense and that we can understand relatively easy. Uh, like you said, it's a lot of data and it's streaming fairly fast. And so you wanna do things that you can understand really easily and that you can process quickly and get that out there. Because the last thing we wanna do is, is create a, a mistake or disappoint our guests. We wanna make sure that, again, they have the most magical um, uh, day of their, of their stay within the Magic Kingdom. So the uh, one thing I wanted to, dig into a little bit here is because a lot of that, that workload or that, that workflow sounds like, you know, we're integrating data from lots of different sources. We're, we're building some analytical capability to understand, you know, what are all the influencing pieces of data that might make some decision happen. But I'm curious to hear how your, the, again, the um, scale of that is, I don't think even with 50 good data scientists that that's possible to be done on a very manual basis. There has to be some automation um, happening under the covers. Are you seeing like the, the capabilities around machine learning and artificial intelligence find their way into making uh, this a reality? I, I will tell you um, that it is uh, definitely not an army of one. We are an army of many. And it's not just our team. There are many teams within Disney that we are working with, uh, whether it's in the marketing side, whether it's on our, our guest relations teams that are all putting in uh, constant hours and input and and brain power into it, uh, but we are absolutely leveraging machine learning and uh, I want to say artificial intelligence like studies uh, or methodologies, uh, trying to uh, find what seems to work and make sense, and then have the ability for our machines to learn as things happen because they're able to do it a lot faster than we are, um, and then once they become automated and come to a point to where they can be self-regulating to a degree, uh, they help optimize the choices that we present to our guests. Now, we also have a little bit of oversight and ensure that we don't do things that don't make sense. For example, having someone in Magic Kingdom and suddenly send them a reservation for lunch at Epcot. There's no way they're going to get there in time. So, so there are some restrictions <laughs> and some human intervention that come into play to ensure that we're giving the best possible outcome, uh, but in a truly automated machine learning fashion. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to the one of the things that we've started hearing from a number of uh, creative media and experience kind of driven organizations is, is not just how do we take the data we have and learn things from it, but how do we take the data we have and the the algorithms we've developed and, and the, you know, the creative content that we've amassed and Disney's clearly got this gigantic amount of content <laughs> that's been created by this, that enterprise over the last, you know, 100 years. Has has this kind of automation and in, in using machine learning or AI, has it started to creep into content creation or experience creation capabilities? So we 
we've experimented and tried various things, and there's always new new innovations going on. Um, we've looked into doing some of that with uh, guest experiences when they first come to, let's say, our website, mm-hmm. uh, being able to present things that they might recognize. Hey, we recognize that this guest or this family has been here before, and we may show them, hey, we saw that last time you were here, you were at Hollywood Studios. So we may show pictures and fill in uh, the display that we show for the website, pictures of Hollywood Studios. And if they happen to do pictures that are from, that we may have that represent their family, we might show them off them because it's we recognize it's who they are and, and show them uh, showing that personal touch, as it were, so that they experience it all over again. They, they get a taint or, or a, a little taste of that magic uh, that they t- had uh, the last time they were here. Now they have the ability to see it again and experience it and plan for that next time that they want to enjoy the magic of Disney. That's very cool. So. The magic of Disney is obviously being recreated on a, you know, on a regular basis. You all are innovating. You're trying to proof of concept, new ideas. But what are the, like, what are the top lessons that you're learning in this process? And you as an organization have learned that our listeners might benefit from as, as you've iterated through this process of leveraging data science and leveraging uh, these advanced data capabilities. What are those top lessons that you've learned personally that you might share with the team? So first and foremost, uh, I'm going to say it's uh, what we classify as being the investment profile. You got to you got to you got to have a little bit of investment to see if something's going to work. And and we kind of gear that up as being like a a POC or a proof of concept or a prototyping. And so that's one of been one of our biggest challenges is to kind of go up to a team and go, hey, we think we have an idea that's really going to revolutionize how you're doing that one thing you're doing. And we think we can show you a proof of that uh, return, but we need X amount of money. And so a lot of times we, we, we come in and go have this, you know, grandiose potential plan, but we need a little bit of seed money to, to help get that started. That's one of our first key lessons we've come up with. Mm-hmm. Um, then obviously, because of that, we have to have the ability to tell the story. How do I tell that story in such a way to where it's one, understandable to the person I'm, I'm relaying it to, but also convey the level of uh, finesse or the level of technology that may be leveraged and may be used. And so there's different levels of that storytelling. There's the storytelling of the overarching, here's the general plan. Then there's the storytelling of, hey, this is the type of platform and machinery that I need to use. And then obviously there's the storytelling of, hey, this is the kind of algorithms and models we need to reference and the type of work that we need to do. And oh, by the way, here's the timeline. It's six months to a year before we can get to a conclusion. Um, so I have the, to I have to ask because that's because sure. I think about Disney as being one of the greatest storytelling cre- you know organizations on the planet right you guys your yep. your company and and the at the parks amazing stories that you weave together your movies and series and, and TV or like amazing stories those are a lot of creative tasks right and that's not typically something we immediately connect with the science part of the organization that your team is is so clearly part of. Have you had to build a bridge between some of those creative storytelling types and the technologists to achieve that kind of that objective of how do you tell a good story to get people to, to invest in my R&D project? Absolutely. And and I will tell you that that it takes a, a special kind of person who can work on the technical side and be able to tell that story and relate it to such a way to where you can grasp the the audience that you're presenting it to being able to to do so is a unique talent and it's one of the reasons why in our group we actually have uh, groups of people that act as 
project managers, uh, product managers as well that can do that conveyance that aren't that are technical enough to understand the nuances, but they have the team of, I'm going to say, scientists and engineers that can give them uh, what they need to help build that story and then convey it appropriately. So we absolutely have had to, to bridge that gap, as it were, to make sure that we can relay our story well enough to be understood as well as convey it well enough so that they can go, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, man, that, that would be perfect to do. We'd love to be able to do something like that. Yeah, and we've seen Disney at a couple of other big data conferences across the globe, and it's always a really interesting story and a really popular one as well. So uh, you're doing a great job, and it's one that really has piqued our interest uh, as we go to these conferences. But Teddy, I wanted Thank to you. kind of shift gears a little bit. Um, sure. I, I've I've listened to, I've read a few of your articles. I actually uh, heard you at a SAS Global Forum. You've talked about how Disney's data analytics strategy is always evolving. And, you know, you have to keep this experimental mindset. So with that in mind, like, what are some of the new technologies, new use cases, new things that your team is looking at uh, of incorporating and embracing to help uh, the different business units within Disney, you know, move towards the future? Um, absolutely embracing uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence is some of those new I'm not going to say new innovations, but new directions that we're going towards and, and how to apply them. Uh, that's probably been the, the biggest impact of late is being able to leverage where we think we might be able to leverage machine learning and artificial intelligence type uh, ideologies. Um, I think some of our other things is because data is getting so large, you've got big data and I know I'm using that generic term there, but just a massive amount of data, how, how are we able to view it all? How are we able to assess it all? And those have been some of our biggest concerns is that we are amassing amounts, large amounts of data, and, and how do we know when it's relevant and when it's not? And these are some been very, very big concerns about how do we determine, you know, how much history should we keep, be keeping, how much data of, about an event is relevant to the analytics that we're doing, and, and really understanding the, the essence of that data itself to see whether it's worthwhile to hold on to or worthwhile to use has been very key uh, points that we've been trying to address, not only in our conference, but also with uh, other groups within Disney to understand what's usable and what, what is okay to have and what isn't really needed. Uh, from a data perspective. Yeah, so you talk about trends. I'm, I want to poke on that a little bit because one you talked about was the the, the massive you know, size and scope of how large data is you know, getting and how hard it is to make sense of that data. To, to go a level deeper, are there specific technologies, uh, whether they're open source software platforms and frameworks or hardware innovations that you think are going to be really formative to your organization and frankly, the industry's ability to deal with data at this scale and to derive value at that scale? Absolutely. I, I believe that the way data is going in the world today, uh, that there's going to be a need for, uh, I'm going to call them compute servers, um, whether it's in the cloud or, or permanent locations, being able to handle large volumes of data and be able to crunch through those things, whether you're using you know, GPU type type core socket uh, processors or using a standalone servers that are doing your optimization, whether using something like Cplex or Garubi or some homegrown version of optimizing uh, data sets, that's going to be really key. Um, that as well as moving the data is, is just a massive undertaking. And to be honest, I, I don't know if we've 
come to an actual good solution. But we are finding that you know doing ETL processes is becoming a a burden sometimes, as well as it's a necessity. But trying to really figure out what's the right amount of data to move and shift it to point A or point B. And do I really need to move this data? How how relevant is this data? And that's where I'm going back to understanding and really uh, the data itself and the schema to really go, hey, I really need these thousand points of data and I really need to move them over here so I can compute and churn through them and they're really necessary and so we need to move that thousand. We need to figure out how to do that as fast as possible so that I can have answers for the next day's events that are going on. Those are the key things that I see us in the next, well, right now and the next couple of years that are really going to be uh, determining how we do things in the future. Yeah, we, we absolutely see that, that this uh, this concept of bringing all the data back to a single data center or a data lake or a data repository, while really cool because it puts all the data in a single place that then I can, you know, apply modern frameworks like Spark or, you know, any of the kind of the Hadoop open source ecosystem tools to to process that data on mass. It maybe doesn't make sense. The limitation, the long pole in the tent to deriving business value is oftentimes that how do I not bring all the data there? How do I process it at the edge? Um, most effectively. So one of the things that we've, we're finding, though, is that in both scenarios, and you kind of touched on it a second ago, is the the concern over data, not only security, because I think that that concern has always been there, but it's around more like data access, lineage, and like kind of understanding the provenance of the data. Is it, I'm curious what what impacts things like what obviously Disney operates in, in Europe with Disney Paris, by the way, took my kids there last year. It's lovely. Um, things like GDPR, how is that impacting your team and data integration to make sure that you're being compliant with both of those international regulations, but also being proactive to again, provide your guests with a great experience, but also give them great comfort that you're being good stewards of their data. Oh, oh yes, absolutely. Uh, May 25th is a day we'll remember with GDPR. Uh, so we, we are we are definitely engaged and fully... It's, it's, uh, oh, go ahead. It's the day I got too many emails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, all the policies changed and everyone got tons of emails. And, and we, we are just as well sent emails out. Um, luckily, Disney has been very, very good about data governance and securing our guest data. We will not do anything anything with a guest data without their permission. And so um, any specific data, uh, whether it's PII, credit card information, and so forth, it, we don't move unless the guest has given us permission to do so. And so that is really one of our paramount things is that we are very, 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 uh, very secure and we're very careful about our, our uh, guest data. That being said, we also try to do some things like, you talk about providence and so forth, and so we'll try to do some form of generalization uh, so that, you know, hey, I have these guests that are in the Polynesian uh, resort, these guests that are on the Polynesian that are that attended the Magic Kingdom. Hey, how long did they stay at the Magic Kingdom? And so I can do some broad strokes and still get some relevant data, but it never says it was you. It just says, hey, it was a guest staying at the Polynesian. And so we can do things like that that still give us some good insight that don't, that, that are comfortable enough for our guests and they don't, um, uh, breach any confidentiality. They don't um, pass any security uh, protocols that we put up against to ensure the integrity of the, of the guest data. Uh, so we're able to leverage 
the experiences that happen without being specific enough, unless the guest lets us, uh, uh, to to still get an idea of what's going on so we can get a good, a fairly good understanding of how things are progressing, where we need to go next, what we need to do to ensure the guest experience stays at a, at a high level of, of magic for them when they come. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm curious because your team uh, obviously is doing a, a boatload of work in and around analytics and, and data. And this conference that we're, that's coming up, the Disney Data Analytics Conference, I recognize that there's, there's, some, there's some presentations that aren't Disney, but it's a great opportunity for Disney folks to share what they're doing with the industry and with the market. So I'm curious to hear what your team is, is going to be presenting and or what are the things that you're most excited about hearing at this year's uh, Disney Data Analytics Conference. So I, I will tell you that some of the uh, topics that are going in there is definitely machine learning, AI. Um, uh, Becky, you're going to have to help me on some of the topics <laughs> that off the top of my head. I know there is some causality and causation. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 so we've got four tracks that go on that cover everything. So you don't have to necessarily be uh, a geeky, high-tech person to, to, to want to come to this conference. Well, very cool. So so Becky, this is a great segue because I really want to I want to talk with you about this this amazing conference you're putting together. You got smart people from across both the parks organization, but across Disney coming together, all getting together in Orlando, Florida to talk about what they're doing in data. So tell us a little about how this event got started. Cause to me and our team, it's, it's a little bit newer to us. We kind of heard and knew what was going on, but it's got a pretty rich history, doesn't it? It does. This is actually the 17th conference. We don't say annual conference because we did take a little bit of a hiatus. Um, but it, it started more as a summit. It was very small, very focused and was purely internal. So it was for Disney folks to talk about what Disney was doing and to give insight into what Disney was doing across the board. As you quite rightly say, it is not just parks and resorts, but it's, you know, our media networks and it's our studios and it's our consumer products folks. It is Disney cross enterprise. So it's a fantastic opportunity for us all to get together and to really see what everybody is doing in data and analytics. Disney's a really big company and um, we are a family, but, you know, we don't always talk to each other. So it's a great opportunity to, to network and to, and to share experiences. And actually, there have been learnings that have come out of the Disney Data Analytics Conference uh, from segments talking to each other and then new work developing out of existing work and uh, from conversations that have happened at the conference. So it, it really is a terrific event. Oh, I love the I love the collaboration aspect. Now, now this is obviously an event that, like you said, it used to be internal, not internal anymore. People mm -hmm. like us are going to be there. There's, <laughs> which means the bar's set pretty low. But the <laughs> but you've got so I'm curious. Is it uh, Teddy said it's not just like super geeks. There's people from I'm guessing maybe business kind of roles. Like who who are the types of people that attend this conference? Absolutely, as Teddy mentioned, we have four tracks. Uh, so we have you know data and technology, marketing and consumer insights, advanced analytics. But our fourth track is a track called Beyond the Numbers. And that's where we like to look at issues like leadership and, you know, strategy and business development and things that are really important, but that on an average day, someone who would consider themselves a data scientist or, you know, an analyst may or may not be thinking about. So that's where we have, um, this year we have a couple of professors from Queen's University up in Canada coming to talk about consumer choice and how consumers make their choices. And and Tandy Thomas, who's who's one of the professors who's coming, is going to be talking about post 
post-pregnancy, how as a new parent you consider consumer choice and how all of the factors that are affecting you post-pregnancy, uh, how that impacts your decision-making. So that's really interesting, really unique, different material that we can present at this conference. Um, and people, people are fascinated by it. I'm, I'm really excited for that talk personally. Uh, that's really cool. So what's the theme for the conference this year? So while we don't have a topical theme, although, as Teddy mentioned, there's going to be a lot on man versus machine, machine learning, uh, AI, our, our thematic theme this year is uh, The Lion King. And it's a celebration of The Lion King on Broadway. It's the 20th year of that show being on Broadway, so we're thrilled to be able to celebrate that. Um, Disney's Animal Kingdom opened 20 years ago, so it's a big celebration there. And then, of course, in 2019, we have the 25th anniversary of The Lion King film. And of course, um, the, the, the new live action film opening next year as well. All things Lion King. So I, <laughs> all, I things heard, Lion yeah, King. all things Lion King, my favorite Disney movie, by the way. So mine too. Good. Th the tagline though, it's make analytics roar. Yes. So what? I, I obviously very Lion King themed ask there as well. What is the, um, what are you guys going to be doing around Lion King for this conference? Well, uh, we always have a few surprises up our sleeves, so I'm not going to reveal too, too much. But the highlight of the entertainment for this event will be our evening event, which is happening on the 28th. It's going to be called The Party in the Wild. Uh, it's going to be at Epcot, at Epcot's World Showplace. And it's going to be a festival of celebrating the Lion King, the Animal Kingdom, with some fantastic food from uh, some of our resort restaurants, um, and then some great, great entertainment straight out of the parks as well. All right, so I'll, I'll be honest. I think the the cost of the the pass is alone is probably worth that party, wouldn't you say? <laughs> I would agree with you there, absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. It is a very good party too. I mean, again, Disney's putting this party on, so all the stops are are pulled on this. It will be spectacular. Oh, it is, is uniquely awesome. Disney. Absolutely. Oh, that is so fun. So, uh, so obviously, we we think that. We think this is going to be a fun conference. It's it's many. It's our first, and I hope it's going to be a lot of people's first as you're growing. Mm -hmm. um, but but in terms of like something that you know, if you were to if you were to catch people and say like, hey, this is something you're gonna you're gonna hear or experience here that you won't have at any other of the big data conferences. What do you think that would be? I think it is the uniquely Disney element. You know, Disney is such a fantastic company and it touches so many different areas. I mean, even just within parks and resorts and attendees are going to have an opportunity to hear from a lot of different areas. And we have ESPN presenting, we have parks and resorts presenting, um, we have our consumer insights team presenting. There's a lot of unique ways as, as Teddy described that we use data within the company and we are excited to share that with, with our attendees. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I do want to say one, a humongous thank you to you, Becky and Teddy for, for joining us today, but also for your partnership. The Big Data Beard team is super excited to be attending the conference. We're going to uh, obviously attend a lot of the sessions and the keynotes, and obviously we're going to be at the party. We'll be the uh, <laughs> the ones that look like they belong in the wild, I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> but I will say one thing to highlight, we are, we're going to be recording uh, our podcast, you know, we're, we're not going to, not live, I shouldn't say that. We're going to be recording podcast interviews at the conference. And uh, I invite folks that if they're attending the conference and they are, are they, they're going to 
to be there and they're talking or they're doing something cool, we'd love to hear from you. You can, you can reach out to us on the, uh, the old Twitter and let us know. But I do want to remind folks that this awesome conference, um, they've given us a free pass to give away to our listeners. So make sure that you either subscribe to YouTube or you rate one of the podcasts. Specifically, this one needs two thumbs up for sure on iTunes. Um, and you'll be entered for your chance to win a free pass. And we're going to be giving that away uh, on July the 10th. So we're very excited. We're going to be announcing the listener. And if you don't get that free pass, then you can certainly uh, use our uh, promo code databeard-2018. And we'll put it in the show notes to save $400 on this awesome conference. So thank you again, Becky and Teddy, for your partnership. I do want to shift gears here. We've learned a lot from our guests about big data, but now it's time to get a bit personal. In a segment we like to call Rapid Fire. Pew, pew. So what year will Skynet go online? Skynet's <laughs> Skynet's Terminator, right? Yes. That is correct. Uh-oh. Um, 2025. Wow. I was going to say 2049. 2049. <laughs> Becky, Becky's more doomed. She's more like the Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah, <guy>. she is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is the last book you read? Uh, last book I read was called uh, Grim Death and Bill the Electrocuted Criminal. Ooh, sound it was a script. It was a script for a play I'm in right now. I'm doing The Little Mermaid, so it was my Little Mermaid script. Oh, what? Oh, you got to tell us what part you're playing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Ursula the Sea Witch, of course. Are you really? <laughs> of she course is. I am. <laughs> that's awesome. Is this yeah, something that's Disney sponsored or outside of Disney? It is not. It is the Osceola Arts uh, Theater Company that's doing it. Opening that's next really, weekend. That's really cool. That's awesome. How long will be uh, around for? It's the last three weekends of July. All right. So if you're listening to this, check it out. <laughs> it's going to be great. What genre of music are you rocking out to right now? The Little Mermaid soundtrack. Wow. <laughs> Got to learn my lyrics, man. <laughs> uh, for me, I was just listening to uh, 21 Pilots, to be honest. Okay. Kind of, kind of getting them a group on doing a little, little coding and, and listening to them at the same time. There you go. What piece of technology is currently making your life worse? And this is personal technology is currently making your life worse. Teddy, I think that's you. Um, I'm sorry. So making it worse, uh, I would say right now would be, uh, my, um, a Wi-Fi enabled, uh, alarm system. Uh, it's, it's having a heck of a time connecting up and getting connected to my router and it's just driving me insane. I think it's the microphone I'm using for this recording. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, we did. We did have a little bit of problem it getting it going, but you time. sound delightful now. Oh, well, thank you. And a uh, secret, little secret we're, we're, we'll share with you here. We actually use uh, some artificial intelligence technology to uh, do our uh, our sound leveling and all the gating for the audio. So, unbeknownst to listeners, you're gonna you're, they're gonna think you sound like you're on a professional thing. So you did good. As long as you can make me sound <laughs> more handsome, I'll be awesome. <laughs> We've been trying to do that for Brett for months, and it's not worked yet. So Teddy, I don't know if it's gonna work. Uh, I, I'm fingers crossed. Maybe have, you don't have as long to go. Yeah. I have a face to radio. <laughs> That's right. All right, Becky, what is your biggest money pit right now? Oh man. Um, I don't want to keep going back to the little mermaid. So that's boring. So maybe it's the fact that I live in a tourist capital. So everything is a little pricey. So it's just like living day to day. 
Yep. All that delicious food down there. And Teddy? Oh, my God. Uh, for yeah. me, it's I have two teenagers, uh, one about to go into college in about a year, so they are eating me out of house and home. <laughs> oh, so they're boys. Oh, yeah. Two boys. <laughs> yes. Uh, you, I was about to say. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, well, it could be the college that is the or that kind of stuff that gets expensive, the shopping. And if you say food, that's totally boys. Yeah, it is. You're exactly you right. So, Teddy, are you going anywhere interesting soon? Uh, I, well, I just did. I'm, I'm actually up in the, uh, North Georgia mountains doing a little hiking, kayaking, uh, canoe or, uh, whitewater rafting. Very cool. And Becky? Uh, I'm going to be going back into my office to plan this conference. So, so she could technically say she's going to Disney world. Technically. I'm going to Disney world. <laughs> Lucky. <laughs> Becky, what show are you currently binging right now? Ooh, uh, Mad Men. Ooh, that's good. I just got into it a few months ago myself. It's yes. still in season one, but it's really good. Oh, I just finished season two. I am thrilled. I've always wanted to watch it, and I've finally committed to sitting down and actually watching it. Just finished Westworld, so can't wait for the next season of that to start up. No spoilers. Oh, don't, don't, don't spoil it. Yeah, we're on. I'm still going through season two. <laughs> I Teddy, won't say anything. And Teddy, what about you? And for Becky, I'm actually binging Westworld because <gasps> uh, Becky wants to talk about it, and I have yet to see it yet. So I'm, I'm still on season one. Working oh, I'm so it. excited, Teddy. Oh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> and Teddy, lastly, what is your favorite Disney character? My favorite Disney character? Oh, that's a good one. I, I'd have mm-hmm. to say probably Goofy would be my favorite Disney character. That's a good one. Uh, of, the, of the traditional characters. Um, if you go through you know, all of the genre of everything from Marvel to Star Wars and so forth, it would, I would have to go with superhero Spider-Man. Okay, that's good. good. Choice. And Becky? Yeah. What, you sh- what you should really ask is who's Teddy's favorite Star Wars character? Oh, I like that question. <laughs> Who is your favorite Star Wars character? Uh, I, w- I would have to say my favorite Star Wars character is probably Boba Fett. Oh, wow. See, I was going to go with... <laughs> yeah, yeah, <I> see. <laughs> That's my son's favorite character, Chewbacca, because he loves everything brown, and he loves sloths, and he thinks that Chewbacca looks kind of like a big sloth. So, <laughs> Oh, very nice. <laughs> okay. That's, yeah. And, and Becky, what about you? And it can't be anything Little Mermaid. It has to be outside of Little Mermaid. No, it won't be Little Mermaid. No. My favorite Disney character is Remy from Ratatouille because anyone can cook. And I think that's, that's cute and I love that. That is very sweet. Wow, I yeah. would have thought you would have said Maleficent. Uh-huh. Uh, you are painting year. a nasty picture of me, sir. No, no, no. Just because <laughs> I'm of her, charming. Her, her poise. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Hey, all the. Because all she's the, all very the, determined. Yeah, all, the, all, the, all the ones that are those characters are certainly charming. Charm was not there. Was not their downfall. That's true. <laughs> they played for and the Mel- wrong team. That was their problem. Well, Maleficent was just misunderstood. I mean, that's right. So movie, many of she's them. just misunderstood. So, so is right. Ursula. She's very misunderstood. Yeah, there you go. But not you. We understood you well. <laughs> and Teddy, it was so nice to talk to you. I, I can't tell you enough of how much one we thank you for your partnership and allowing the the Big Data Beard team and and our audience to be you know, really a part of this conference through the the conversations that we're going to have as part of this great conversation, as the things that we're going to learn and bring back to our listeners. We, we just say a big thank you. And again, I encourage our listeners to absolutely check out the Disney Data Analytics Conference. There's some great sponsors who are making this uh, conference possible. So check out those sites, make sure to register and do use the promo code in our show notes to save yourself a little bit of money and come see us at the, the party in the wild for Disney's Data and Analytics Conference. Becky and, and Teddy, thank you so much for being on today. Hey, thank, thank you for you. having us. We'll see you at Walt Disney World.
Thanks for listening to the Big Data Beard Podcast.